0: The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media
1: U.S. What I'm hearing is a kind of quiet optimism about the next 12, 18, 24 months. We're optimists as entrepreneurs, but I would say we're also opportunists. There's something about that opportunity as an entrepreneur to kind of respond really quickly to changes, to opportunities, to AI, to ESG, whatever it might be to say, there's something we can do here.
2: PROI is a partnership of givers, not takers. We give business to one another, we give learnings and expertise, we give our time and we give relationships. The PR
0: Week Podcast, in partnership with PROI, presents State of the PR Industry, View from the Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. This is Gideon Fiddleside, Editorial Director of Custom at PR Week. I am very pleased to welcome you to this very special podcast. We're calling this one State of the PR Industry, View from the Entrepreneurs, and I want to thank PROI Worldwide for sponsoring this. PROI, of course, is the world's largest partnership of entrepreneurial communications agencies. Talent retention, cost management. New technologies, stakeholder relationships, these and more have long been challenges agencies face, but they've never been more challenging than they are right now. Entrepreneurial firms are particularly well-positioned to thrive in this environment. And we have two leaders today who are particularly well-positioned to speak on these topics and impart great wisdom from which all of you will certainly benefit. Jeff Lambert, Global Chair of PROI Worldwide and Angela Scafidi, Chair-elect for PROI and Managing Partner of Senate SHJ, all the way down under in Australia. Jeff and Angela, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Hey, thanks for having us.
1: Thank you.
0: Angela is 15 hours in the future from where I am right now. So I expect her comments to be quite prescient. <laughs> Jeff could be Prussian too, even in the same time zone
2: as me. Well, Angela will handle all the futuristic questions because she's already there.
0: Fair enough. The possibilities are endless for that one. <laughs> During our conversation today, we will explore how agency leaders are using global partnerships to share best practices, combine the best thinking, and collaborate with their peers anywhere and everywhere in the world to solve clients' problems and drive business growth. Now who wouldn't want to hear about that? So let's get right to it. In 2022, PR agencies collectively saw solid growth as clients continued to ramp up communications efforts coming out of the global pandemic. What are you both hearing from your entrepreneur agency leaders about the state of business in 2023? And inasmuch as we are already in the last quarter of 2023, it's certainly not too early to discuss how people are feeling about 2024 and the near future. So, Angela, since you are 15 hours ahead of us in a world away, it just seems right to start with you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Gideon. Um, I think in terms of, you know, what I'm hearing is a kind of quiet optimism about um, the next 12, 18, 24 months. I think um, as entrepreneurs we are naturally quite um, optimistic, Um, so I think that will be always our way of looking for growth and opportunity. But I'm hearing, particularly in in my region, so in the Asia-Pacific region, a quiet optimism about the opportunities on the horizon. Excellent. And uh, Jeff,
2: yeah, I'll just tag onto that. Uh, we actually did a survey among our partnership worldwide, and eighty percent expect to grow in twenty twenty three. Fifty percent of those, fifty two percent to be precise, uh, actually are expecting ten percent or better, double digits on that growth percentage. Uh, so, you know, I think it's. I think naturally, as as Angela said. Uh, we are optimists as entrepreneurs, but I would say we're also opportunists, and I think that really is growth can uh, can be made. Uh, it doesn't just come to us, and I think that is the difference. Perhaps in an entrepreneurial led agency is there are certainly clouds and waves on the horizon, uh, but what you do with them uh, is is really the the, uh, the opportunity and and our our agency partnership. Across the world is very optimistic that 2023 will be a good year.
0: That's very, very good to hear because um, perhaps not surprising that 2022 was a good year. It was the first somewhat normal year after the pandemic. So there was, you know, obviously the year before that, the couple of years before that were difficult. So growth was maybe to be expected, but it was very good to see the momentum m- maintain in 2023. But, um, you know, 2023 is almost over. It's, uh, it's October it's October as we record this, which is almost crazy for me to think about, but 2024 is right there. What do you see in 2024 and maybe in the couple of years after that? And clearly I asked that because there are a lot of external factors. Um, you know, Obviously in the United States, 2024 is going to be a huge year with the election. And you know, there's clearly a lot of things going on all over the world. It's not just about the United States. So how do you see 2024? I, I know, I know you guys are optimists, but do you really feel that optimism going forward or- perhaps a little more on the cautious side. Jeff, you go first. Sure, I'll jump
2: in. And I'll disagree with you. (laughs) Exactly. As as typical. Well, I think what we're seeing is a shift uh, in 23 uh, to 24 is this idea that a recession was coming, I think was a general view on 23. I think that's shifted from... Being about the pending recession and the continuing issue of inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are seeing that impact talent, uh, talent retention, talent availability uh, are certainly challenges uh, in 2024. However, uh, you know, I think for the most part, we're expecting continued growth. And that is going to come in different areas. I think integrated marketing, shifting the broader, broader mix of what we provide clients. I think agencies, in particular PR firms, because of the higher uh, the higher need and demand for things like corporate reputation and ESG, we're spending a lot more time in boardrooms and C suites, and that is uh, really taking a bigger share of the pie. Assuming the pie grows by lower single digits as a whole, uh, we think we can outpace that by taking a larger piece of that pie.
0: Excellent. And Angela, are you going to disagree with that?
1: No, I won't disagree with him. <laughs> okay, we're actually finding um, in our region, uh, and maybe globally as well, a kind of return to kind of looking to the experts. Um, so, so in Australia, there's been a, a bit of a backlash against the Big Four and the Big Four's kind of you know growth into all of the spaces to do all of the things. There's been a bit of a kind of you know a return to let's talk to the experts about things like communication, et cetera. So there's certainly a bit of a shift from a market perspective. But also I think there are some areas in which we are really strong where the need is greater than ever. And I think one of them is social cohesion. So I think there's an important role that communications um, firms, agencies can play in listening to community, dealing with um, misinformation, disinformation, looking at ways in which to kind of drive social cohesion, I think that that growth will, will only increase into 24 and beyond, and we have some, some great skills and some great expertise to play a role in that. And I know that will be in the U.S., but that will be uh, globally as well.
2: I'll just tag on to that, uh, you know, just an additional thought that came from our survey. It's, it's clear that AI, when everyone is talking about AI, mm-hmm. uh, certainly – uh, but there's a shift in it, you know, it being both opportunity and risk. And I think that perhaps a year ago we viewed it as as all opportunity. And I think with some realism and some practical application behind us, uh, there's real risk. And so we saw that in our survey is uh, it's not just uh, you know all roses and butterflies for for AI. It has to be applied to the business, and there is risk involved. And so I think we're seeing that is. 2024, I don't think will be the year of AI. I think it'll be uh, a year of, of integration. And as as Angela said, the strategic advisor at the corporate level.
0: Oh, no, thank, thank you for that, Jeff. And um, clearly I was going to mention AI, so I'm glad you beat me to it. It's kind of hard to have a conversation these days without bringing it up. Um, the only thing I will add there, though, and I'm, I presume you'd agree with me, though, you, Angela, you certainly could disagree with me, um, is that um, – I do believe, though, that yes, the risk with AI is definitely there. It's palpable. But I think one thing that is dissipating is this fear that AI is just going to replace 75% of PR pros. I mean, there might have been a legitimate fear a a few years ago, maybe, I don't want to say a few months ago, but not that long ago. I think that's significantly dissipated. And now PR pros simply have to figure out how they can incorporate AI into their mix, um, responsibly, ethically, and effectively, and um, you know that that will obviously be a continuing story for the future because I don't think AI is going anywhere.
2: So um, that should be a very interesting story to follow. Yeah, I think just to, just to clarify, maybe the risk factors Gideon, in. I don't I don't think that there's there's as much this view that the risk is to, that we're going to lose our jobs to mm-hmm. AI. I think it is the misuse of AI as the risk factor. Uh, is really the, the broader issue. And so I think that's important to clarify is absolutely. I think we've all moved past the, hey, we're going to get replaced by a digital writer. Uh, however, uh, you know, it's it's something that we have to lean into and learn and grow and build our own knowledge base so that we are winners in this, not losers.
0: Yeah, very well said. Thank you for that. One of the reasons I always love having conversations like this is because, you know, as everyone could probably tell out there, I'm a New Yorker, an American. I know what's going on in the US, um, but it's always fascinating to have someone like Angela here who can really give us a perspective of how how the PR um, community in other parts of the world is operating. So um, I'm always really curious, um, what are some of the differences that you are both seeing? Um, Because both of you have lofty positions within PROI, so you both definitely have a global perspective. What are some of the differences you're seeing among agencies in North America as opposed to APAC and other parts of the world? I don't know who to start with that because either one of you can answer that pretty well. Angela, ladies first, I guess that's a good way to go. So I'll let you go.
1: Yes, yes, and, and of course Jeff is in a much loftier position than I am. Um, so look, I think that there's, I think our research told us, Jeff, and and I might then throw to you, but I think our research told us that there's probably slightly more optimism. And slightly more confidence around growth in my region, in Asia Pacific, and in Europe than in America. But Jeff will tell me if I'm wrong on that one. I think in Asia Pacific there are particular areas of opportunity that may be more of an issue in our in our region. I think one of them, um, and you know, because of the impacts of climate change, I think emergency preparedness and emergency communication is a growing area and unfortunately in our region because of the impact of of emergencies in our region in my country but but in our region more broadly so there are some sadly some opportunity areas in our region but i think some of the other things around digital and reputation and integration there are great opportunities in the region and in europe and as as i said i think slightly more confidence um about kind of growth and what, what what we might see over the next couple of years
2: I totally agree. I think a piece of it that I always like to focus on when I when I talk to people about our international partnership in 60 countries, 165 cities, uh, is the sameness versus the differences. We, we we have many of the same struggles with talent or bringing people back to work from COVID or economic challenges. Certainly cultural is the biggest difference from, from country to country and agency to agency. But in operating an agency, it's shockingly similar. Uh, and that is really the value of partnership is, is we share business challenges. We share, we share uh, hurdles and, and opportunities. But also what's, what's fairly universal that I've found in my travels as, as global chair is innovation and creativity you can find anywhere. And I think that if you can tap that from I mean, one of our one of our foremost experts uh, is in is in AI is in the APAC region and Doi and Doi has spoken all over the world and he is a resource to me and to Angela and to our Amea partners and that is found again in a uh, in a what you call a non certainly non US but even a non traditional market. Uh, and so, I think that is really the interesting piece that I have found is these this idea of new ideas, great ideas, innovation, people leveraging creativity happens in every country in the world
0: that message of collaboration across the globe is just just such a powerful one it's great to hear it so thank you for thank you both for that um you're both entrepreneurs, and of course you know this whole podcast is about a view from the entrepreneur, so that makes a lot of sense now. You both started agencies from scratch, having grown and evolved those businesses over time with great success. How has that experience prepared you for what can best be described as the dynamic communications industry that we see today? How does an entrepreneurial spirit ultimately impact the business, your clients, employees, and other stakeholders? I know it's a lot there, but I'm really trying to focus on why, as entrepreneurs, how has that enabled you to, you know, how, how has How has it helped you see the communications industry, the way you operate your businesses, the way you deal with clients, those kinds of things? Because I think that would be really beneficial for our audience to hear. Um, Jeff, I'll start with you only because I started with Angela last time.
2: I just figured you're going <laughs> to say you know elder, elders first, but no, no, no. Yes, so I, I think that you know the, the PROI Partnership is the world's leading partnership of entrepreneurial agencies, and it's tough to be entrepreneurial if you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I think that is unique is we have a lot of uh, agency, founder led, you know, started in my case in the basement 25 years ago uh, it, with this idea that I could perhaps do it better. And, uh, and that grit and that, that drive, uh, I think as an entrepreneur is business mindset and applying that business mindset to PR makes us stronger advocates for our clients, because that ultimately is what we're trying to achieve is a business outcome of some sort, be that a nonprofit that's trying to raise more capital and more funds, uh, serve more people, a public company trying to raise their stock price, uh, private company trying to hire employees and grow their business. Those, those elements are who we are as business people, as entrepreneurs. And so it let's just look through the same lens as our clients and I think it's definitely an advantage. But I also think we benefit so greatly. I, I love connecting with clients and other CEOs who teach me about being a good operator of a business in the PR world. And so that's been a real surprise find in in my history is learning from our clients on how to be a great business owner.
1: Yeah, I would agree with with Jeff is that, and I too. I started. um I started from an office. I hired offices. I got computers. I got all sorts of things. I used every single dollar I had. I bought the most wonderful stationery, and then I thought probably need some clients. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise this this whole <laughs> idea here is. And I remember one of my first clients rang me and said, um, "Do you have any capacity to come in house and help us because we need urgent help?" And I flicked through my very empty diary, very you know, so she could hear the sound, and went, "Oh." Available. I could start today. So I do remember um, for us it was about 20 years ago just kind of starting with an idea. But, but also like Jeff, this idea that you could do, I mean I said to from the start we would make mistakes, absolutely. But I had come from um, global consulting firms and I said, I said we will make mistakes but hopefully we'll avoid making some of the mistakes that I saw in those kind of global um, contexts. So for me, for example, the partner model, you know, that the partner needs to bring in X and, um, you know, X in fees, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to kind of build your pie. For me, I saw that in my history breed uh, a level of competition and greed within agency, which for me didn't work. So one of the first things we did as an agency and say it's about the collective effort and the collective achievement and the collective revenue. So there's something about that opportunity as an entrepreneur to kind of. Um, to and also to kind of respond really quickly to changes, to opportunities, to AI, to, whatever, to ESG, whatever it might be, to say there's something we can do here, uh, let's kind of, you know, gather some good ideas and make things happen. So I would agree with Jeff. There's something about that kind of level of control and energy and hunger, and for us in the PROI, it's kind of learning from the best of the best so you know and i'll stop talking shortly but one of the things i remember during at the start of covid uh, i remembered the words of and even in the last sort of 12 months or so the words of our fantastic partner from one of our fantastic partners from india madan bahal who i many of the things i've learned over the last 10 or so years are from madan he said when things look bad grow So when things are looking like, you know, when everyone there's talk of recession and talk of concern and talk of other things, you know, grow because it's your opportunity to find great talent and do things differently and grow your business. And so there's also that learning from other entrepreneurs, as Jeff said, about what are the things they've done that have worked, what are the things they've done that haven't worked. But there's a real opportunity, I think, to, to be entrepreneurial and learn from, you know, I think the best of the best
0: yeah i've I've always found that there's a the word I like to use is uh, scrappiness. There's a scrappiness with entrepreneurs that just really seems to help so much and um I think that's really great. We'll be right back with more from Jeff and Angela in just a moment. We're back with Jeff Lambert and Angela Scafidi. This question was actually I wasn't going to ask this, but I actually think it'd be very interesting because um particularly for you Angela because obviously um in the United States and I'm sure this is a global thing but Clearly, um, the expectations and the demands of your workforces have changed. I mean, remote working is clearly something that has changed greatly. I mean, there's no, well, I shouldn't say there's no five days a week in the office anymore, but that isn't so common anymore. Um, what have you noticed from the workforce? And Jeff, I want to ask you this too, um, even just because you're based in the United States doesn't mean I don't want to hear your perspective on this, but <laughs> what have you noticed from the workforce that is the, the most drastic change among the workforce in the last let's say as compared to five years ago or just before COVID, what is the greatest thing that you've noticed that's different among the workforce that has really made you have to reevaluate some of, you know, some of your employee engagement and and management, um, you know, decisions?
1: I mean, I think one of them, and this is probably more the last 12 or so months is just cost of living Mm -hmm. pressures and kind of recognizing Mm -hmm. I do in Australia, we had very, like other parts of the world, we had very low interest rates And they kept—they've just kept kind of climbing up and climbing up and climbing up. And I remember seeing three of my staff standing around a television screen, waiting for the announcement around the new, the next kind of um, increase in interest rates. Because all of them are young people with homes. And I just Mm. saw the look of Mm -hmm. kind of fear, and I thought, you know, it's 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 you know, it's a thing we read about in the papers, et cetera, et cetera. But it's kind of very close to home. So for for us, it's thinking about and being creative around. How we can support our people, and this is the case in other parts of our region and other parts of the world, but to support our people, you know, in everything from thinking about financial planning all the way through to finding ways in which to kind of take the pressure off them. Some of that's through salary increases, mm-hmm. and I think some of the salary expectations over the last five years, uh, it, you know, it's a it's a very different world, and the conversations are very different. Uh, so there's, but I think that is in part. Um, you know, driven by that kind of concern about cost of living pressure, certainly in my country and other parts of our our region. So I think that's one thing that's very different. I think also um, something else that's different, and I applaud them, is this idea from the next generation of I want to work really, really hard in my job but not at all costs. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm committed, I'm keen, I want to learn, I want to contribute i want to do great work. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do all those good things but not at the cost of all the other things that matter to me. Um, and I think about one of my, you know, um, up-and-coming successes. She works very hard but she also, you know, um, has a really active social life and loves doing exercise and loves doing all of those things. So I think the kind of shift I've seen as well is people are prepared to work hard and contribute and commit but not at all costs. And I feel like... Um, sort of when I was, you know, growing up in communications and, and PR, um, it, 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 was a slu- it was a different world. So I think over the last five years I've seen that heightened, I think COVID heightened that as well, this idea of, um, you know, prepared to give, but not everything. Fair enough. Thank you very much for that. Jeff?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think back to the, the couple months before COVID and we were debating as a leadership team on whether we should go from one flex day a month to two flex days a month, a month. Hmm. And it's, it's laughable, but I'm the, you know, I'm the old guy saying we, we can't trust these kids to, to, to work on, you know, from home. And then suddenly we all did. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the learning in that, uh, even for this old dog is that you know, that digital, certainly for a digital first generation is very comfortable and actually preferred. Uh, whereas uh, the generation that I grew up in—it was presence in the office, get there before your boss does, leave, you know, after they do, check in with them. You know that the, the relational work environment, I think, was was the way the way for decades. And I, I do believe there is going to be a bounce back to someplace in the middle. Uh, I don't think we're going to go all the way back to work, and I also don't think we're this idea of we're going to be virtual forever is going to work. And it took, it took a few years of, I think, some truth-telling on productivity gains that were more about the commitment to get through COVID than really about the discipline of the, of the workforce. Uh, but I think that the ability to use digital to be anywhere, to work from anywhere, I think is a true uh, difference maker in our business, particularly in our business, because we're service, we can do it from anywhere. And I'll be the first to say, I don't mind looking out at the water while I'm working for inspiration, for, you know, for a quick poke my head outside. Uh, That is healthy to do, to work in sprints versus sitting at a desk, head down for as long as you can, as long as you can take it. So there's some real wins in this, uh, but I think that at the end of the day, it is a balance because again, whether it's creativity, brainstorming, uh, you know, consulting, learning from your peers, uh, education, professional development, that stuff is, is highly effective in person uh, and less so uh, over a screen.
0: Thank you so much for that. And I'm just going to close with this, and I think this is the perfect way to end it. I mean, I just want both of you to sort of quickly just uh, you know, tell I me, and we've obviously touched on this a little bit so far, but you've obviously both been actively involved with PRI for many years. Um, if you could just share you know, how the PROI network has benefited you personally and what impact it has made on your business. I was gonna ask about your employees. And yeah, I can still ask about that, but if you could think of one thing, because just one thing that the one thing that where you you know you really feel PROI has benefited you, whether it's personally or whether it's as a business manager, what would it be? Jeff, I'm kind of alternating here, so I guess I'll go to you first here.
2: Yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to pin it to one thing. But I would say is a phrase that I've been been using a bit is PROI is a partnership of givers, not takers. And mm-hmm. we give uh, we give business to one another we give learnings and expertise we give our time uh, and we give relationship I I consider Angela and you know 25 30 40 other people from around the world as my dear friends and that is that is something that if I needed something in Australia or I needed something that you know, that she could relate to I know that she would be there for me and that's same case for me and, and, and other partners. And I think that is a special thing, uh, that this is about business. But ultimately, business in particular, the PR business is about relationships, public relationships. And I think mm-hmm. that is so, uh, such a big piece of, of PRY family. Well, well said. Thank you, Jeff and Angela.
1: Gideon, I'm going to be very cheeky and add on to Jeff and then share my one thing, um, okay. which is just a, a, an anecdote I was thinking about. So I completely agree with Jeff. I, I now have friends in cities across the world. And in Australia, we are a bit isolated. You know, we're a long way from from, you know, from other places. Um, and 15 hours ahead, of course. Um, so <laughs> there's something about having those friends all over the world. And for me, one of those powerful moments was right at the start of COVID as I kind of, you know, carried my laptop to the spare room to start a business thinking this probably is going to be the end of this business that I've, you know, given my all to. And I got a WhatsApp message from one of our partners in the UK who said, you know, I too am worried these are the things we're doing and then all these other people joined in and suddenly I just thought we're going to be okay because collectively, you know, with my friends I'm going to figure out how to do this and it will be okay. So there's something for me I completely agree with Jeff about those, the friendships and the support. The other thing I think is just for our people and and for me another anecdote was I took one of my um, staff to um, our meeting, our regional meeting in Thailand last year. And seeing her sitting on a panel with someone from India and someone from Thailand and, you know, someone from somewhere else in the region and, you know, I just saw the, the excitement and the interest and the desire to learn and the passion and, and just their connection between them. And I thought, you know, this is great for us, uh, but this is also great great for them. So it's, it's been a really exciting thing to see.
0: You know, I have to say, like and I said this before, I sometimes I – definitely get caught up in my little new york united states bubble and it's always so nice to talk to people from proi because there's a wonderful world of pr pros out there and they're all supporting each other and collaborating with one another and can all benefit from that and it's always you know it's always good to have that kind of reminder so i very much appreciate this and um you know angela i'll tell you what if i ever do find my way to australia and i definitely intend to at some point because it's a country i'm just dying to visit uh, i I hope you could score some uh, australian open tickets for me but uh other than that I know everyone's out there. Boy, Gideon is just shameless, isn't he? Yeah, well, you know, I'm an American, right? No, Jeff, I'm sure you're not shameless, but I am. But seriously, that was really, really wonderful. And I really, really appreciate the time that you took today to, uh, you know, to share your wisdom, entrepreneurial and otherwise. Thanks once again to Jeff Lambert and Angela Scafidi for joining us today. And thanks to PROI Worldwide for sponsoring this podcast. And of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until next time, this is Gideon Fiddleside of PR Week wishing you all a great rest of your day.